Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. The road to Roland Garros is paved in European clay, as there are five more weeks of action before we reach the Terre two of Paris. After falling short a week ago in Monte Carlo, Rafa was looking to tame the Tsitsipas aggression and remind everyone who's boss in Barcelona and take yet another plunge. And Ash Barty was going for all the glory in Stuttgart. Not only playing for the singles trophy, but then going for the doubles title as well. And what's trending and who's posting? We're checking the hashtags and handles from all the tennis platforms. So come on down and see who got a new car on TC Live right now. Nice layup, and welcome to TC Live as we recap a wacky weekend in the tennis world. Some absolutely instant classics on the red clay from events really across Europe, in Stuttgart, in Belgrade, and of course in Barcelona. We've got plenty to go through, so let's go through what we will see and we will hear on today's show. Championship Sunday, we will review, we will recap everything that went down men's best of the best some of our favorite and most importantly jimmy and paul trivia showdown tennis trivia the ultimate and final all the marbles at stake here on this edition of tc live hello and welcome to our santa monica studios the aforementioned jimmy arias paul anacone i'm noah eagle you can start the bickering now. I'm just ready. I'm, I've mentally I'm exhausted. Prepared. I'm not sure You're we tired. can even do trivia I've today. I've seen people getting so tight that I'm now very tight <laughs> okay. coming into this final trivia question. My brain is going to explode. I'll have so much trouble answering. So we did some digging, and I was wondering when this whole brouhaha of brotherhood started. We went back to Boletary Academy, way back Wait, to what? 1970-something. <laughs> where Paul Anacone and Jim Arias. Jim, I don't know how you went Jim. from Jim to Jimmy because Jim. you anti-age. I Usually did. it's the I, other way around. I, I was always Jimmy. I don't know how they got that wrong at the Voluntary Academy That's naming me hair, Jim. Too. That's, That's tremendous hair. hair. It was, is that, is that, is it uh, from is that our Braden, school picture? That is. That's yeah. Bradenton Academy, okay. which is no longer there. My only diploma is defunct, and I don't have it, and I can't find it. So <laughs> it's a bit of a problem for me. They looked like they were grooming the two of you to create, like, the next buddy-cop uh, combination. There we and go. now you're here. What's as... funny is we always he always got me in trouble. Really? At Voluntaries. Yes. I would whisper I the smart Alex stuff, yes. and he would say it out loud. Yes. <laughs> okay. You say that, that absolutely does not shock me. He was an excellent smart Alex. In the slightest. But he, he, were, quite he was a smart Alec, and you were just, I the, just Alec. the puppet. Okay, so fair enough. Let's go through what we saw throughout this fantastic championship Sunday. Tremendous, tremendous match between Rafa Nadal and Stefano Tsitsipas. Nadal going for his 12th title in Barcelona. Jimmy, you were here for all three hours and 40 minutes on court. And when I say instant classic, I mean an absolutely instant classic. There were so many sort of questions to me coming into this match. Number one, could the Sissipas high backhand handle Nadal's heavy topspin forehand? That was actually answered in the positive for the most part. Yes, 
Could Nadal hold his nerve because he hasn't been very confident? Will his serve hold up? The answer to that is I'm still not 100% sure. As Nadal <laughs> had a couple of match points in that second set. He's at 5-4. He didn't convert. And then the tiebreaker, Sissipas, I thought for sure had it here after the drop shot. But Nadal stole that point from him. Hits another great shot coming up here to bring it to six all. So now you're, okay, he's got momentum. He's got this thing. And what does he do at six all? Yeah, double fault in the top of the net, even under the top of the net. And that's been the issue for him in Monte Carlo and a little bit here. Third set, both players were doing a pretty good job just holding serve comfortably throughout. Here's a shot where Tsitsipas sort of stole a point from Nadal, but it didn't really matter. Nadal only lost three points on his serve until he got to serving to stay in the match in the third. And this is match point. And she wanted to let Paul talk a little bit about one of the match points. This one coming up right here because Paul was apoplectic. Yeah, they're going to... Not our, this one yet. Those are great guys in the room. They'll show it to me later. Okay. Keep on rolling, Jimbo. Keep on rolling. We'll get to it. Uh, there was a match point. And now it's... Nadal with match point in the 6-5 after breaking in 5-all in an incredible game. And Nadal gets the championship. Should have some confidence, but I'm not sure he does after what I just witnessed. No, all you need to know is how he celebrated that type of title. He's won this championship 11 times prior, his 12th title at Barcelona. It's his 87th career title across all surfaces. And he was on the ground as if he won at Roland Garros there all of the energy, all of that angst that was built up throughout the week, he let it out. And that third set, that final stretch of points back and forth, it was a true battle, Paul, on the court. It, it sure was. And there's so many situational things that happen. And that's why when I look at these stats, I don't take that much away from them because there was a little bit of a roller coaster ride. For instance, Nadal in the third set won basically 80% of his own second serve points. And if Nadal's winning 80% of his own second serve points and only serving a little over 50%, you're in trouble. Yeah. And, and Sitsipas created opportunity and, and he created chances to really make Nadal uncomfortable. And here's a huge one right here at match point. Okay, perfect return deep up the middle. That ball jump all over it and come forward, no. This ball move in, come forward. No. You cannot play arguably the greatest of all time in the biggest of moments and think you're going to out-solid them from the back of the court. Even if you do it two or three times earlier in the match to give yourself opportunities. So the big learning moment for me for Pass is to make sure you do what you do best in big moments. And that's not being the counterpuncher when you play Nadal. Did well to create opportunities, but in those opportunities, Change your return of serve position a little bit so you don't hit every second serve return or first serve out wide in the ad side and get up to the baseline a little. Not a ton, just in the moments when the doll's down at the biggest time. What was interesting to me was when he needed a point, Sissipas, when he was behind. That right. was when he got aggressive. That's when he got to the net, and he was winning points when he made that approach, especially with his forehand. The doll was having a little trouble. And I'm also surprised, Paul, as you said, he stands so far back to return in the ad court, and Nadal had one play that he could do over and over again, and never did Sissipas adjust to that, even on a big point. I, I'm not – stay back there a bunch, but now when you have break point, you know it's coming. Run up try there, cut it off. Yeah, try something different. The last thing I want to say is let's not uh, shortchange Mr. Nadal. Guy's amazing. 
and like I've said all along, for him, played an average match, and he won the tournament against the best player on tour so far. I mean, the guy is absolutely incredible. That's two out of three sets, and these records, Noah, just keep on piling up. And we were talking about it, Paul, during the match, Roland Garros in particular, because the question is now, can somebody do this and sustain a level of competitiveness against Nadal in a three out of five no, match? And that no. Roland Garros match, that, that record should show you <laughs> 102. Probably not. The answer is most likely no, as Paul uh, very deftly put it. No. That is an N-O. I still am confused why nobody serves in volleys Ever. in the deuce court out wide to him. Well, because I just want to see it. And I saw one or two times today, and Sissipas won both points. Right. Nadal was missing passing shots today, which was surprising. And I almost had the thought at one stage, does Nadal pass worse when he's standing there set up? Because you see him most of the time when he's hitting passing shots, he's stretching and reaching, and he hits an amazing angle. This time, Sissipas was coming in on some weak approach shots, and Nadal would miss the pass. That was an awesome match. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, it really was. Heavyweight blows back and forth. And speaking of, that one went three hours and 40 minutes. Yesterday, three hours and 27 minutes for Aslam Karatsev to get past world number one Novak Djokovic. So he gets to the final in Belgrade. He's got Matteo Berrettini looking for his first title since 2019. And early, it looked like it was going to be all Berrettini. Yeah, no shock here. Uh, Karatsev was, dare I say, a little flat after his huge win. Comes out and loses 6-1 the first set. But give him credit. Started playing better and better. And this is where he turned things around that second set, got the early break, started getting more confident. And then the third set, they were going back and forth. Karatsev came back from down a break, but tie break, guys, one-way traffic for the Italian. Was more offensive, got to the net, got up 6-0. It was a comfortable cruise control tie break, but an incredibly hard-fought three-setter. I had two screens going in the green room <laughs> yeah. watching. It was a, I was sweating bullets watching both of the matches. It was. It was a secondary screening type of day, and that's what you can do when you've got TC+, Plus, as Paul does, and he was utilizing it to perfection. Fourth career title for Matteo Berrettini, his first since Stuttgart in 2019. And Jimmy, the real difference to me, yesterday against Novak Djokovic, Karatsev saved 23 break points. 23 today, just four of seven. Uh, I guess a little bit flatter else. I guess Berrettini's a much better returner than Novak. No, I don't think so. No, maybe not. Maybe not. (laughs) I mean, obviously the one stat that looks quite different is first serve points won. Berrettini's got a huge first serve. Karatsev's not quite as big. That played a part. Total points won. It was actually sort of dominated that match by Berrettini in a lot of ways, but it ended up going to a third set tiebreak. What's funny is that match started an hour after the Nadal match. And yet it finished tie break in the final set and it finished first. <laughs> Just give you an idea of how tennis. that Nadal Sissipath match went. Yeah, fantastic championship Sunday for both events. And as mentioned, Berrettini claims his fourth title back in the winner's circle for the first time in about two years. Great showing, by the way, for Karatsev. Another impressive showing for him just to prove, hey, he does belong and maybe he does have some staying power. He definitely has staying power. The guy has such easy power. When you you talk about staying power, he's got power from the back of the court without looking as though he's trying to hit the ball hard. He controls baseline rallies. He can use a little work on the serve. If he gets that serve to another level, look out. Yeah, first serve's not a weapon, but the rest of his game is, is dynamite, and we're going to see more of him. I'm happy for Berrettini, too. I mean, he's had a struggle to start the year. To see that big game, the big serve and big forehand come 
to fruition this week and play such good tennis. He's good for tennis. He's a lot of flair and flamboyant, so it's a good, good, well-deserved victory for him. Italian tennis continues to surge forward. Berrettini with the title. Nadal gets it done in Barcelona once again. Still more to go through over in Stuttgart. Will Ash Barty come away with not one but two titles today? Plus, Jimmy and Paul, it's trivia time, the final day of the week. Who will come out on top? That's right, Ash's AutoZone when we return right here on TC Live. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. It's one of the biggest events on the road to Roland Garros. Don't miss any of the men's and women's 1,000-level action from the Matua Madrid Open on Tennis Channel and Tennis Channel Plus. Live WTA coverage begins April 29th, and ATP coverage begins May 2nd. We've got all the action for you here on TC and TC Plus. Welcome back to TC Live. No Eagle. Jim slash Jimmy Arias. I'm still not really sure what to James. go with. I might as well be yeah. James. J. Just call him J. Paul Anacone. P. And whatever it is. Either way, let's go to Stuttgart because Ash Barty was looking to make some history, looking to become the first woman since our own Lindsay Davenport back in 2001 to sweep the singles and doubles title in the same event over in Stuttgart. And she got the first one done, Paul. It just didn't look great early. It was tricky. She had a couple early opportunities to break, did not. And Sabalenka's power hit gear middle of the set, got the break. She was playing big-time tennis, big serves, just a big flailing ground strokes. Barty couldn't get any rhythm. That changed in about four and a half seconds. This game right here, Chipson comes in. Hitson comes in behind two second serves, breaks, and about 12 minutes and 18 seconds later wins the second set. She was really solid, and Sabalenka really started to lose the plot a bit, got very frustrated, really rattled, and got down 6-0-1-0 after that first set, and she was frustrated, trying to be creative, trying to do some things that really aren't typical in her game, like that little subtle drop shot. She was trying to be patient, and that didn't work, so she started slapping balls again, got back in the third set, but Ash was just very, very smart. Just a really good tennis IQ to capture that title. And check out, she gets the new car to go with the trophy. I mean, that's the best type of, of trophy you can get, honestly. Either way, 40 minutes later, she's right back on court. You see her on the right side of the court with her double partner, the great Jen Brady. And it's the Australian and the American against Project and Maddox Sands, a very good doubles duo. And eventually, it, it, this one was another long, grueling match. Maddox Sands and Trochik would make it interesting down the stretch, Paul. Yeah, it got tight after the first set goes to Brady and Ash Barty. They lose the second, get into the match tiebreak, some creative tennis, and that Jen Brady forehand pays dividends right there, gives them a big lead 7-3 to three in the match tiebreak, get to 9-5, and Brady and Barty do the number in the match tiebreak. And like you said, it's a double-dipping day for Ash Barty. Congratulations. Double-dipping double into the dipping. doubles. That's yeah. a lot of that's A lot of, a lot of Ds, right? A lot of Ds right. from P. Either <laughs> way, once again, becomes the first woman to sweep the singles-doubles title 
in Stuttgart since our own Lindsey Davenport did it in 2001. Pretty impressive accomplishment. Do they give you two Porsches now? If you if you if you three, speak? four, or five. I mean, they, they should. I think should it's be some sort of one. bonus. I think it's just. No, one. I think it is just one as well. Unfortunately, I may have to rent you a Porsche. It was still. It was still a good week. She it was fairly <laughs> happy week. with that. I would week. say she's feeling good as she heads towards Roland Garros. Let's go over to Istanbul. Little gold medal, so to speak, action final match championship Sunday between Elisa Mertens and Serana Kirstea. Kirstea. This is now a 67th ranked player in the world looking for a third top 20 win of the season, Jimmy. And early took control of the match. No, dominated this set from the start. She was dictating play, won the first set 6-1, but got behind 5-2 in the second set. Perhaps she's feeling as though, you know what, I haven't won a tournament since 2008. So she got maybe slightly ahead of herself. That was in Tashkent. But she found the rhythm again, eventually got to the tie break. And Mertens, the top seed heavy favorite coming in. But really, for the entire match, she was thinking Kirstea very well and, <laughs> and was able to dictate and really never relented other than that beginning of the second seven. Really, in some ways, a comfortable straight set win. First win of a tournament, as Jimmy said, in 13 years, just her second title overall. Won her first at 18 years old, now 31, ranked 67 in the world, is 3-0 in her career against Mertens. But really, when we look at Ash Barty and the accomplishment of winning both the singles and the doubles, this is the number one player in the world. First number one player on the, the WTA Tour to win that title, a singles title, since 2007, Justine Enna did it. So as we look for Barty, now in her return to play this year, after missing so much time last year and staying back in Australia, she's rounding into form, and she's looking pretty unbeatable at times this season. Yeah, great 2021 already, right? Three titles, Miami and here as well in Australia before the Australian Open started. So feeling very comfortable with her game, and interesting that she took all that time off last year. And look, she knew what she needed to do for herself. They did a lot of work, her and her coach, Craig Tizer in the offseason, even though at the beginning of the pandemic, they couldn't spend any time together because the states in Australia were shut down. So it was very creative stuff that had to happen down there. But Ash has hit her stride. And I said it. I said she's my favorite at Roland Garros, Jimmy. <laughs> you, Am I going out on a limb? I don't think you are because one thing that she has that I don't think the rest of the players on the WTA Tour, she has the ability to sort of change her tactics in a match. She did so it today. as you saw that she did it today. So most of the time, WTA, we're hitting big. We're going for it. And if that's not working, let's go bigger is kind of what you see. And for Ash Barty, oh, it's not working right now. I'm going to slice. I'm going to change things up. I'm going to chip and charge. She has options to sort of try to throw her opponent off. And she managed to do it today. And it makes her more difficult to beat. 11th career singles title for the world number one as she just keeps chugging forward. And we'll certainly keep that ranking spot moving through this clay court season as we move through the clay court season. Still to come, best of the best on the ATP side of things from the week. Plus, we will talk to Alex Bruskin from the podcast side of Tennis Channel. Get his thoughts on everything that we've seen unfold from the red clay thus far in 2021. Stay here, Tennis Channel Live. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
just big hitting there. Are you kidding me? Oh my goodness. Shot of the tournament. Spectacular. That is a showstopper of a shot from Berrettini. Oh, there it is. Showtime for the big foe. There, superb hands from Shapovalov. Oh, Novak Djokovic, that is special. Goodness me. Just when you thought it couldn't get any better, he goes and does that. That's colossal from the King of Clay. So, welcome back to Tennis Channel Live. I should start by saying that. But I know, Jimmy, I, I think you had a different one in mind. Did you not from this past week? No, but the one I had in mind was sort of the person who hit the shot lost the point. There was a horrible bounce, Batista Goot match. Mm. He was setting up for a ground stroke. The ball literally deviated and almost rolled, and somehow he went between the legs and oh, put really? the ball back in Missed play. But then he, the guy came in and hit a winner the next shot, so it's kind of tough to How give him that. did you miss that? That's your, that's your favorite name on the tour, Roberto Bautista Agut. Yep. Yeah, yep. favorite name. Yep, my favorite name is right. That's 100%. All right, let's go to the social net now here on <laughs> Tennis Channel Live, and we will start with America's top coach. Now, I was told by the Tennis Channel brass tacks that I was allowed to nominate my favorite coach from our Tennis Channel family, and this was a really hard, tough choice because there are, there are really, there's only one to choose from. And that's Kamal Murray. So he didn't get in, I, I don't believe. But that was the only one that came to mind. I guess, yeah. But I'll tell you what, this has been, <laughs> this has been great to watch. And, it's, you know, we forget about uh, all of the developmental coaches. They're the most important ones. Without them, we don't get to coach your players on the tour. So the developmental coaches, lots of good names that were uh, being contemplated that are on this list. Is Anico not on the list? I can't. Did he get nominated or I, not? I, no, they asked on. Huska, our, they, you know, our I mean, guy. Let's, you know, let's Huska throw it out there. Let's put, put it on there. there. Couldn't do it. Right. Okay. Thanks a lot, so, Huska. Appreciate so this that. is all going back to Bulletary Academy again. We're just, we're just going, <laughs> taking it back. Time stream, smart Alec versus just normal Alec. Either way, exactly. voting is through May 2nd at tennis.com slash top coach. We move on. Billie Jean King on Twitter. That's right. I really enunciated my T's. She went to make sure that she gave some love to our Tennis Channel family, John Wertheim and Martina Navratilova, both executive producers on a piece about Suzanne Langland coming a little bit soon, not too long from now, Jimmy. should be an interesting piece that they're putting together. I always love tennis history, and that's part of tennis history, so it's, it's fantastic to, to learn more about the game. I'm surprised in today's kids how little they know about 
about the history of tennis. Yeah, great for uh, JW and Martina for a little collab. And uh, who knows, maybe JW, he's got a lot going on. John Wertheim has a lot on his plate, that man. Man about the world. He sure does. All right, let's check in on one of our players over on the WTA Tour. Bianca Andrescu is not going to be appearing at the Matua Madrid Open. She's missed a number of tournaments over the last several years, but... Paul, I, I look, she's probably looking towards Roland Garros, trying to be 110% healthy as we head towards that right, red clay. Yeah, look, I mean, she had to withdraw in, in the finals of Miami, so we have the, a little bit of a fear factor going on because she's struggled with those injuries. So let's hope that uh, Bianca just can get through this quickly, get ready to get back on the dirt because she was playing some good ball. The one thing about Bianca is she doesn't lose, actually. She just defaults. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if she shows up for the match, you know, you know you're in trouble. You're going to lose. <laughs> We've got all men's action on Tennis Channel coming up next week. But coming up next on TC Live, the all-important, all-knowing trivia, final, the finale, the ultimate, whatever you want to call it. It's next between Jimmy and Paul here on TC Live. All right, trivia time here on TC Live. Annie Murray has the most combined singles wins against the big three, Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic with 29. Who is second on that list? I don't even want to ask the two of you what the score is at this point because I can't keep track. And quite frankly, I don't trust either of your opinions. So give me your answers. We can start with Paul. We can start with Jimmy. Jimmy, go for it. All right. Um... I don't want to give the right answer because then somehow Paul's going to combine it and then well, he's well, going to get four points by the way. I'm going to get two. Yeah, uh, so today, I'm not going to win. The, I'm, I'm thinking I'm struggling and I'm thinking possibly Del Potro. Okay, that's your answer. Paul? Um, I was thinking either Burdick or Ferrer. Ooh. Thomas Burdick. Okay. Well, the answer goes to Jimmy. Ding, ding, ding. Juan wow. Martin wow. Del Potro, number I'm one on the list. Myself. Uh, listen, not to mention that this question was worth however much you wagered. Now, Paul could have wagered minus three, and right. he would technically be in the lead I by was, now. But... I was trying to figure a way out to win this. I just couldn't quite do it. I <laughs> yeah. couldn't cheat my way to a victory. But actually, I want to say why I said Del Potro, because the reason I said Del Potro is I actually think he would have been one of the big three yeah. or four players I in the world too. had he been able to be healthy. He's as good as he's the only guy that's sort of as good as those guys. Yep. And, you know, that sort of showed it because he didn't even get to play them that often. That's why when you were saying Burtis, oh, no, he's played them a million times where Del Potro hasn't had the opportunities. But I just wanted to throw that in. Yeah, the good, the good news for you is you win. <laughs> okay. The bad That's all news, I care the about. The bad I don't news know for you is the powers that be have told me that we have a rematch coming up later in the year oh. for bigger stakes. Oh, oh no. I yes. want this, this was no, the big no, no, stakes. No, 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 no. This, this was, was Wimbledon. This is qualifying. Oh, that's fantastic. You've qualified. Okay. Now I I'm got in. it as a lucky loser because <laughs> okay. I'm a lucky loser. So okay. we do it later in the year. All right. Now we got it. I'm in. As long as you feel I'm lucky, in. we all feel lucky. <laughs> we are glad to have both of these guys. We are going to excuse them. Jamie has to get along and go to an undisclosed location. Paul has to take care of his dogs. All of it's going on. But we appreciate both of you here on TC Live. We look to Monday on Tennis Channel and TC Plus. John Millman and Alexi Popperin will get the stay started. It's going to finish with Marin Cilic 
Kevin Anderson in foe and a good matchup. Four really solid matchups on what should be another fantastic day of tennis on Monday. But when we return, we will talk with Alex Gruskin from our podcast network. Does a fantastic job managing really all of them. He is on four of our pods across the Tennis Channel Network. We'll chat when we come back. The Tennis Channel Podcast Network brings you brand new episodes of your favorite shows each week. Go to tennis.com slash podcast to listen or download from your preferred providers. And now we bring in a man who is very familiar with that podcast network. Not only is he the editor-in-chief of Cracked Rackets, he's also the host of four. Count them. One, two, three, four pods across the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. He is Alec, Alex Grustkin. And, and Alex, here's the thing. Four podcasts, same amount of titles that Matteo Berrettini now holds himself after winning today in Belgrade. But I want to start in Barcelona. Here's some of the stuff you're going to hear on the podcast network if you go and download some of the fantastic shows that we have to offer. Opinions that Alex has, he's very knowledgeable, he is very informed, and he's very opinionated himself. So I want to ask you about Rafael Nadal's week in Barcelona. Gets his 12th title there at that tournament in particular. Another title to his resume, now 87 in his illustrious career Talking to Jimmy, talking to Paul, and, and really everybody around the Tennis Channel studios, they're more confident in Nadal now on the red clay than they even were coming into the week. I'm not sure he feels the same way, but what's your opinion? It, it's a great question, and thank you for having me today. I think Matteo Berrettini is a pretty good com- uh, comparison for me. You can see we have very similar chests. But, <laughs> you know, when you talk about Rafael Nadal, you look at him in Barcelona. He's 66-4 and four now in his career at that event. I could eat food 70 times. I'm going to get stains on my shirt more than four of the occasions. So it's always a bold move to name the stadium court after yourself before you retired. You can understand why, why Rafael Nadal is comfortable doing that. He just looks so comfortable, whether he's down a set, down a break. It doesn't matter. His clay court routines work, and if you've watched tennis closely throughout his career, you know the patterns. He's going to go inside out, inside out to open up the inside in forehand. Uh, for him to not be playing his best tennis at the start of this week, the early three set results, to find his rhythm as the tournament went along, and then to beat arguably the best player here during the 2021 season in Stefano Tsitsipas. And I say arguably, and again, just this season, don't yell at me too quickly. Uh, you have to be feeling good if you're Rafael Nadal. Well, I want to yell at you. What if I What if I just like <laughs> yelling? Then I'm going to yell at you either way. No, absolutely fantastic point by, by Alex Gruskin, who is our guest. And Alex, uh, sticking with Nadal, it seems like the recipe for success against him is taking away some of that time. Roger Federer has taken the ball off off the rise a little bit more. We've seen Novak Djokovic do that and play to the middle of the court. How do you see as his career continues to transpire? Because his movement is still very good. His his mobility around the court is still very good. His fitness is still one of the best around the ATP Tour. How do you think players will start to play him more and more as he gets older? Well, I would argue his only weakness is his hairline right now. Both he and I rocking the Paul Anacone. We're a little bit too young to be doing so. That's why I've got the hat on today. But when you look for Nadal, he is one of only seven men to rank in the top 16 in both hold percentage, how frequently he's holding serve, and break percentage. Now, you look at the numbers, Rafa, fifth in terms of how frequently he's holding serve amongst ATP players. He's second in terms of how frequently he's breaking serve. And, you know, often in tennis, the numbers are just used to confirm what you're seeing because it is a one-on-one sport. And so much of tennis you can read simply by watching the matches. 
I mean, that's the ultimate question, Noah, right? And no one has been able to answer it during uh, Rafael Nadal's career. He's lost twice at the French Open. Like, how can you beat him? It's it's a very difficult question. I may host four podcasts. Not quite sure I have that answer. The closest you could come to a facsimile of that answer would be, look at Stefano Tsitsipas' performance today. He played to win. He was aggressive in the biggest moments. Ditto with Rublev and Monte Carlo. You have to be decisive. You have to go for your shots. And certainly, if you watched Rafa and Monte Carlo this week, his ball sat up a little bit in the court. It did feel a little bit more attackable. That being said, you know, these past two events were only two out of three sets. You have to beat Rafa three sets to beat him in Roland Garros. That's a task only two people have ever accomplished. Yeah, it seems like it's pretty much impossible to do. And what you're saying is what we've all heard before in various walks of life, shoot your shot. And more and more players are going to have to shoot their shot on the tennis court. Let's move on to somebody whose ball has been nearly unreturnable through the 2021 season. Aslan Karatsev gets to the final over in Belgrade after a ridiculous performance yesterday against Novak Djokovic. We thought that was going to be probably the match of the year, at least right up there. Today's final in Barcelona maybe could give it a run for its money at three hours and 40 minutes. But what have you seen from Karatsev that has given you a strong opinion, at least, that he has staying power at the ATP level? Yeah, no, shooting my shot is what I'm doing in this TC Live appearance today, Noah. But in terms of, you know, Aslan Karatsev, uh, he's a guy who's had success not just since the tour restarted, but since the start of the 2020 season, uh, 2020 season, yes, excuse me. And I go back to that list. Here is the list of players. There are six men that rank in the top 16 in both hold percentage and break percentage. And I think this is a fairly good stat because, you know, these are the guys who have mattered most of late. It's Rafael Nadal, Novak Djokovic, Daniil Medvedev, Alex Zverev, Stefanos, uh, Andre Rublev, excuse me, and then Aslan Karatsev. Now, Tsitsipas, Sinner, both right around that list. They're hovering around number 25 as returners. But Aslan Karatsev's success from the Challenger Tour early in 2020 immediately translated. And the reason why, and it gets back to that word, decisive. He is so decisive on court, so comfortable playing his game style. You saw in his three-set win yesterday over Novak Djokovic, he kept taking it to Djokovic. He kept attacking, kept swinging through these long rallies and was comfortable playing down the center of the court until Novak Djokovic offered him something he could attack. He's also riding a wave, right? When you're that hot, 46 and 10 in your last 56 matches, you're going to be confident trying some things on court. But he just makes the game look so easy. And, you know, again, the numbers match the eye test. To be a top 16 server, to be a top 16 uh, breaker of serve, you're probably going to end up in the top 20 of the ATP rankings. So, Alex, there were a number of questions of what Ash Barty would look like in her return to court after missing pretty much all of 2020, had the great start to the year, the pandemic hit, she never returns. Comes back in 2021, looks strong early, wins that early title in Australia, falters a bit at the Australian Open, but she's come back strong. Another title in Stuttgart, her 11th of her career, first number one in the world to win that singles title in 14 years, and the first woman to win both the singles and the doubles in two decades since Lindsay Davenport did it back in 01. What have you made of Barty's year so far, and what do you think her chances are at Roland Garros? 
I mean, she's 20 and three overall to start the season. I believe dating back to 2020, she's 17 and three in total on clay, 79 and 17. That's an 82% win percentage uh, in her WTA tour level matches. She's been incredible. And, you know, to flip this on you, Noah, my question is. Did Ashley Barty hoodwink all of us? Did she actually take 2020 <laughs> off to say, you know what, I was really good in 2019, but I'd like my backhand to be, you know, a little bit more comfortable on that wing before I start playing these tour-level events again, because if I do, I can win all of them. And you talk about her entering uh, the French Open. I don't just think she's the favorite there. She's the favorite in every event she enters, and there was a lot of hoopla at the start of the season, should she be ranked number one, the rankings protections. I apologize for getting graphic here, but my response to that is <laughs> Ashley Barty has been sensational. She belongs, you know, if not at number one, certainly in the top five and at the top of any discussion when you're describing Grand Slam contenders. Alex, I did not expect for you to show tongue during this segment, but I'm not <laughs> mad at it. Ash Barty might be a favorite at every tournament that she enters. You're certainly a favorite of ours here on TC Live. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, thank you for having me, Noah. Absolutely. Once again, you can catch Alex. He's the editor-in-chief of Crack Brackets, host of four podcasts across our Tennis Channel podcast network. That'll do it for us for TC Live. A huge shout-out to everybody from this week, from the on-air announcers, Lee Cyrus, Nick Pereira, Jason Goodall, Steve Weitzman, Jimmy Arias, Paul Anacone, and a massive, massive shout-out to everybody behind the camera and everybody as part of this Tennis Channel crew. Some long hours throughout the week, and they did a fantastic job. No Eagles saying so long until next time. Thanks for joining.